Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you feel like your allergies are having a comeback tour and you want relief quickly, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny, and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. A lot has happened in the world of K-pop this spring and summer. We've had the return of Psy. BTS have entered a new era of solo work. And we've had major comebacks, including the return of Blackpink. Today, Nate, we're going to do an overdue episode of Chart Breakers, where we listen to charts to see what's catching our ears, and we're going to do it K-pop style this time. We're looking at South Korea's newly launched global K-pop circle chart and Billboard's South Korea songs chart. And we've invited along journalist Christine Kwok, who writes for Rolling Stone and Variety, and who has spoken with and reviewed many of today's K-pop acts. Christine, welcome. Hi, thank you for the welcome. Excited to do this today. Very happy to have you here. Excited to be here. Okay, before we dive in, a quick uh, disclaimer. We are not stands of this genre. We are casual K-pop listeners who love the music when our editor, Joe Lee, turns us on to the greater world of K-pop in our weekly meetings. And I think this is a chance for us to learn and celebrate. So let's get into the music. The first song I want to listen to is by the group Girls' Generation. Their seventh Korean-language studio album is out. They're an eight-member group. They have a song, Forever One, that was released on August 5th. It's their first song in five years, and it's their 15th anniversary since their 2007 debut. Let's take a listen to Forever One by Girls' Generation. Forever One is number three on Billboard and number five on Circle Chart. I have to admit, I first teared up when I heard this song. I was having so much fun. Christine, what was your reaction to Forever One? What can you tell us about it? I've loved Girls' Generation ever since I was in middle school, and they're one of like the first K-pop groups to really stand out to me as an individual. Um, just like growing up in America, I never really saw like Asian artists and like girls that I could look up to as role models and things like that. So I think when I first heard that they were making a return after so long, I was just like super, super excited as a fan to see that happen because nice. I feel like it's hard to see longevity in groups a lot of the time, when especially if it's like 15 years, like passing a decade is is really insane. Does the song speak to that return in any kind of way? I think so. When I spoke to the members, they were kind of talking about how they tapped one of the producers, I think, for their very, very first song when they first made their debut. They wanted it to sound like original Girls' Generation, like truly in that type of sound that they've had all these years. 
So kind of tapping back into those original roots was really cool to see. I think it's such an emotional song because it's such a contrast to most love songs that you hear on the pop charts, which are to the object of one's romantic affection. This is like a love song to each Mm, other. Friendship. And there's something so disarming and refreshing about that that I I also just, I mean, I don't know if I was getting teary, Charlie, but I I definitely (laughs) felt all the feelings. I feel like one of the things that for me made this song so compelling is the way that this enormous, over-the-top, totally maximalist chorus begins with this really steep melodic descent that then slowly builds itself back up over and over and over again. There's something very satisfying and perhaps even connected a little bit to the message of like, we're all getting back together. We're in this forever. Like we might've been away for a while, descent down, climb back up to the top. Right here, big jump down. Slowly build up. So satisfying. Right, so it jumps up and then it goes down, duh, 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 and then it climbs back up. <laughs> I see what, I, that's a that's a beautiful melodic metaphor for overcoming adversity together. There might even be a sign of that adversity in the music because just as we're coming into the chorus, there's this very dissonant note that you think shouldn't work, and yet it's da, such da, a na na na. The flat so perfect. Six. I knew you were going <laughs> to tune into that, Charlie. That's so funny. <laughs> I also heard that and jumped out of my seat. I was like, what is that doing there? If it ended right there, it would be the tensest ending to a song ever. But we get the sweet resolution of endless forever love, forever one. So much fun. I want to listen to the section that takes us out of the bridge of the song where all of a sudden Girls' Generation explodes into what to me sounds like the world of hyperpop. Oh, there's like these sparkly synthesizers that descend and then there's this enormous chorus of voices. Christine, we're neophytes to the world of Girls' Generation. Are they known for being musically innovative like this? Because I'm hearing they're pushing a lot of boundaries like Charlie and I were hearing in our innately nerdy way, dissonant notes in these hyperpop excursions. It's very dexterous the way the members pass vocals back and forth between each other. Is this like a hallmark of Girls' Generation? I would say they tend to be very innovative with their music. And because they've just been around for so long, they've had a chance to experiment with a lot of genres. One song that stands out to me from their discography is I Got a Boy, which came out in 2013. That was one of the first K-pop songs that like mixed maybe three or four genres into one song. (laughs) 
I think this song just making it like a spectacle almost mm-hmm. in a sense because it's their first in so long is kind of the traditional K-pop, candy pop, hyper pop type of sound, but adding an extra layer of fun that you can almost visualize without even having to see the music video. It gave me chills. I was in tears. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. All right, pull yourself together, Charlie, and let's get to the next song. All right, I've got Ives love dive i was a six-member group debuted in december 2021 from starship entertainment they've got a viral hit on tiktok nearly a quarter million videos made with the song love dive it's got over 370 million views and it's currently number five on billboard number four on circle let's listen to love dive I love this song. I think it's one of the most repeated songs on my own playlist. It's just so catchy. Um, My brother loves the song. My sister Mm. loves the song. All my friends love the song. It's just been like really interesting to see such a viral hit come from a newer group and kind of resonate with my friends who are older than all the members. And it's fun (laughs) to see that. (laughs) I'm hearing some very daring production here and a, a sharp contrast to the Girls' Generation track, which was very maximalist. Like Christine said, it was kind of a spectacle Every second of space in that song was filled with some sound. Mm. This, by contrast, is very dialed back. There's a lot of space. There's a lot of silence. And I feel like the members get to really inject their personality and attitude into those spaces and gaps. Though in the chorus that we just heard, their voices are all sort of produced and roboticized in this very compelling way. I think it really matches the bit of the lyric that I'm able to catch here. Narcissistic, my God, I love it. There's something really resonant about their voice being super processed and sort of made up that connects with this idea of like, I'm just going to be as over the top and as narcissistic as I possibly can, and I'm just going to embrace it. It's a very potent moment. And then they burst back into song and you hear their voices. Christine, one thing I'm curious about is that you mentioned it's fairly unusual for a group like Girls' Generation to have a 15-year-long career in the world of K-pop. And here you also said that I've maybe unusual for them to have such a big hit as such a new group. Could you say a bit about how career length impacts music and K-pop? I would say that I am seeing that a lot of groups are kind of promoting longer these days than I think used to. And maybe groups will break up due to drama or conflicts with their label or anything like that. But these days, I think there's a collective effort to stay together as a group. And I think members do see that there is power in staying together. Um, There's a couple of groups who may have left their longtime label, but they're still promoting as a group. There's groups that have left their longtime label and had to start with a new name and a new kind of concept to Mm. kind of shed away from their original group that the company owns the IP for. But I think the standard from what I've seen is typically groups will sign on with an initial seven-year contract. And then from there, members will reevaluate and see if they want to renew. But just from a fan perspective, it's always awesome to see groups stay together and work together because part of what makes K-pop so appealing is like that group dynamic and the relationships you see that the members have with each other, which is really fun. Hmm. For my third chartbreaker pick today, 
I want to listen to a song that goes in a totally different vibe. It's by the group New Jeans. They're a five-member group. They're a new group. Makes sense. They're called New Jeans. Not just the pants, but also like sort of saying like the new generation K-pop music. Their debut single came out July 22nd, and it is doing so well. The song is called Attention. It's captured our attention. It's currently number one on Billboard, number one on Circle Chart. Here's Attention. This track is a jam. My goodness. The whole EP is just so good. (laughs) Before we dive into a musicological analysis of this uh, track, Christine, because there's much to unpack, what can you tell us about New Jeans? What should we know about this group? Like Charlie mentioned, they're very, very new. I think the youngest member in the group might be 14 years old, so they're also very young. I think it's interesting to see such a young group do so well so early on, and I think we're seeing more and more of that in K-pop in general. New Jeans is all everyone's talking about these days, so... I'm glad that it's doing well on the charts. The whole EP is interesting and has a lot of fun songs. Despite the youth of this group, uh, the sound feels very retro, kind of throwback. And if I know my friend and collaborator, Charlie Harding, he's got about 15 references dialed up (laughs) from the early 2000s for us to listen to. Or I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Charlie, are are you hearing any specific references here in attention? Well, attention just is steeped in 90s R&B. They make it contemporary, but there's something about the smooth, jazzy chords and laid-back feel. It reminds me of almost like SWV, their song, I'm So Into You. Just really rich harmonies, laid back. It's got that swing, that New Jack swing rhythm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's not early 2000s, it's mid-late 90s. (laughs) Can we listen to the very beginning of this track? Because there's a beat switch. So first of all, what is, I don't know what this sample is. It sounds like some kind of group chant or something, like maybe kids on a playground. I love it. And you hear it and you think, okay, this song, the downbeat is at the very beginning of that sample. It's like, but no, New Jeans is tricking us into thinking that's the downbeat of the song because in fact, when the beat drops, it's somewhere else entirely two three four one two three (laughs) that gets your attention just a very savvy mood all these i mean when i listen to all of these songs not to generalize but they all start in such dramatic ways like i feel like these songs are really trying to grab your attention as a listener And I I wonder if that's the more cynical part of me says, is that because it's such a crowded field and these acts are trying to find any way to like stand out amongst the competition? Could that be an explanation for the hooky intros that we hear in all these songs? Yeah, they've been more experimental with the whole release of this EP. I'm not sure how familiar you are with their album rollout, but... 
Their CDs, I believe, actually come in like a cute little crossbody bag that fans can buy. And it's like circular shaped and the CD actually comes in the bag. So they've tried new concepts with even just like the album packaging and even like their outfits and the concept of everything is just so well thought out and planned, which I think was worked in their favor in terms of trying to break into such a crowded space. They did some daring stuff. They really caught my attention because the first time we hear their voices, it's in this very dissonant, diminished sound. Right there. And then it kind of resolves. But it's really tense. And it's so satisfying to me how when you finally get the chorus, there's kind of this like move away from dissonance and everyone's just singing the root happily. Everything feels totally resolved. There's a lyric in there that they sing about getting butterflies and taking them to paradise. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. This song is such a bop. Also, those CD bags that Christine mentioned are available online. Oh, I'm going to get myself one right now. <laughs> Can we use the company card for to get a couple of these? Let's do it. All right. If they're not sold out already, I know it's a hot item these days. All right. Do you want it black, white, or red? I can do black and you can do white. And I'll do a red. (laughs) And Christine will do red. There we go. Okay, we've got our merch in hand. A lot of fun music on the charts. We have a song that we need to talk about, which is not yet on the charts because it just came out today as we were talking. And it is my favorite release of the moment. We'll check that out right after a break. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you have allergies, then I've got a familiar scenario for you. You wake up on a beautiful spring morning and peek outside. You get a feel of that nice breeze, but then you start to feel a little tickle in your nostrils. That tickle is the spring air telling you to go be a hermit and avoid the outside because you'll soon be a sniffling, sneezing mess. But don't listen to it. Allergies suck, but a good nasal spray makes all the difference. I personally learned that I suffer from adult onset allergies, and it's a real bummer. But a good allergy med makes all the difference for my ability to go out in the springtime to smell magnolias, my favorite flower. If you also want relief quickly to get back to breathing in the spring air, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. 
Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Christine, the group Blackpink have a new single out. Seems like this is a pretty big deal. How come? Because it's Blackpink. <laughs> <laughs> Say more. They're just on another level, I think. I was surprised as a Korean-American. I, I mean, K-pop has just kind of been what I've listened to my whole life, growing up and through high school and college and whatever. But I was actually talking to some coworkers yesterday, and a lot of them were saying Blackpink was the first K-pop group that got them into the genre. And now they're listening mm-hmm. to all these other groups. And with BTS selling out stadiums and K-pop becoming more and more mainstream in the U.S., I think Blackpink is also one of the forerunners in that space for the genre as we know it today. I think Blackpink played a major part in bringing that mainstream in the U.S. Mm. So I think this release is a major turning point for the group, especially. Blackpink has been around since 2016, but they only have one official studio album that's full length out right now. So it's been years since the album Mm. has come out, but they haven't had any new music to listen to. So this is a major time in Blackpink's discography for sure. Okay, so we're talking about the song Pink Venom. It's the first single off of their new album, Born Pink, which they launched with a global campaign called Light Up the Pink, which included setting up monumental light art installations across five continents, including at the Brooklyn Bridge, London's Marble Arch, and Tokyo Tower. So let's listen to this global sensation, Pink Venom. so interesting to hear the backstory to this release because when I hear this I'm like wow this song slaps it's like the personality and attitude is just like coming through the speakers it feels like every lyric is in my mind delivered with a sneer and if I didn't know kind of the stakes of this release I would just think oh this is just you know a chance for this group to leave it all on the floor of the recording studio but thinking about this in terms of the the arc and the importance of this group it's like whoa no this is there's a lot writing on this and this is the song is is maybe them saying like we're back we're here and we're just as powerful and undeniable as we ever were there's something very commanding about having a chorus like that where everything breaks down it's almost a quiet moment but it's a very hard-hitting moment Christine, what if there was one aspect of Blackpink that you think made them such a popular group, such a gateway group for so many people, would you be able to identify that? And and is it something that we hear on this new release? I think it really comes down to like the music and just the sound of hmm. what they put out. It's unique, but it's also not too unfamiliar, I think, with what Western audiences might be used to hearing. It's definitely like striking in a way, but also not too unfamiliar where it's unapproachable, maybe. You had mentioned that girls' generation were known for mashing up lots of different sounds and genres within a single song. And I hear a lot of that going on in Pink Venom. This feels like 
a master class in like 2000s era hip hop and pop music. I thought what we could do is walk through a couple of the different sections and think about what are some of the cultural touch points that they might be drawing from. We'll start right from the very top of the song. As soon as it started, I was like, oh my God, this song is so good. <laughs> um, I watched the music video and I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it, but it starts off with Chisu playing a Korean traditional instrument called the Komungo. So that string sound that you're hearing, I'm assuming is that instrument, unless they're just kind of making a different visual. But I love when they tap into kind of traditional Korean element to their songs. That's so rad. That's that plucked stringed instrument that's the one of the very first things we hear in the track. I love that they're using traditional sounds because it provides maybe some counterbalance to the track's reference points that are very much grounded in American rap and hip hop. But even the way that they use those traditional string plucks feels like a nod to 2000s hip hop, which often borrowed string sounds from Bollywood in the Middle East and elsewhere. You can hear it, for example, in Missy Elliott's Get Your Freak On. Jay-Z did a remix of Punjabi MC. In the building. You can even hear it in Justin Timberlake. And Britney Spears. Britney. Not the same instruments, but similar kind of sampling vibe. Here's the Blackpink again. I think these are definitely coming from different cultural references, absolutely. But the sort of tone, timbre, and effect as they're being used sound very similar to me to some of these past tracks. What's cool about the Black Pink track is that unlike some of these other examples, it's an instrument being drawn from their own traditional culture and sort of being remixed in this way. So it maybe has a, a resonance that some of these other tracks wouldn't have in terms of its cultural impact. I think there also is a Bollywood sample in here as well, where we go from the intro into the verse. Hard to say. Right, no, I, but you, you raise a good point, Charles. That does sound like a sampled and processed Bollywood string section right there. So we, we have a cosmopolitan set of references. And we, we, we haven't even talked about the, the, the almost, it sounds like a schoolyard taunt in the background. <laughs> Black pink. I love it. It's Black so good. Black <laughs> pink. Right. That's a Snoop Dogg interpolation. How about in the first verse? I feel like we go into a totally other world of references. You've got a notorious B.I.G. reference. Check out this one. Uh, 
that one really had my brain itching. Does that sound familiar at all? I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> Scratch that brain itch. Oh. That's Ponder Replay by Rihanna. Now I hear it. <laughs> one by one, two by two. It feels like a little lyrical nod, and it's got a similar vibe. That totally went over my head. <laughs> I mentioned Missy Elliott earlier. I feel like there's a real throwback moment that happens after the chorus, which is very much in Missy Elliott's world. Here it is in Pink Venom. Black pen got that G-Funk whiny synth. And here's Missy Elliott's Work It. That high whiny synth. It's a staple of G-Funk. And uh, I can hear it in both these songs. So in the music video for that verse, they actually are kind of wearing more of 90s-esque fashion. So I wonder if that's also a visual mm-hmm. nod to the era that they're referencing in the song. Right, so there's even a visual nod. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then there was the chorus that hooked us right in. It's a sound that I know so well. This simplified vibe where the whole song kind of like sucks in and then you just get this really powerful, intense moment. Does that sound familiar at all to you? Stop making us look bad and just play the track, Charles. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm behind on my musical <laughs> references. I'm like trying to think, but... Listen, I think they even give us a clue. It's in the pre-chorus. Did you hear it? Are you referencing Taylor Swift? Look, <laughs> look what you made us do, Taylor Swift. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Got a similar kind of vibe where the whole song expands and then just goes and sucks right in. I can hear the TikTok mashups already. I love <laughs> I love when they kind of do that on TikTok, but I, I can hear it already. Like Rose's part where she references that lyric and then it kind of meshes the two songs with either a beat from one song and then the melody from the other. One thing that occurred to me is that obviously Taylor Swift doesn't originate this kind of a sound. And I tried searching for potential inspirations and it brought me back into the world of hip hop. I think there's a certain vibe that we get from a song like Drop It Like It's Hot. When the pimp's in the crib, ma. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. When the pigs try to get at you. Or maybe 50 cents just a little bit. Then I'm gonna get shorty and I'm gonna let her know. All a nigga really need is a little bit. Not a lot, baby girl, just a little bit. There's a way in which pop artists draw from hip-hop and take these chorus moments that, when superimposed into a pop song, feel like the energy has dropped, but capture your attention with this rhythmic intensity. I'm persuaded by your analysis, Chuck. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Taking a step back, we've heard so many different voices, so many different reference points. I want to see if there's anything you feel like is happening amongst these chart breaker picks. Is there anything that y'all are picking up? Any trends, ideas, inspirations? I think a reference to the past is definitely clear in all the songs where like I think Love Dive by Ive and Pink Venom, they're all kind of referencing like 90s, early 2000s, maybe or just like the more muted sounds, even with Attention by New Jeans. 
And then Girls' Generations Forever One is also a reference back to the past, but through a different lens almost, more of like that pop and pink and fun vibe. Mm. So it's interesting to see that all the songs we talked about do reference past sounds that seem familiar, but kind of update that sound to make it feel more of the times today. How about you? How about you, Nate? I think the thing that connects these four releases that I hear is this sense of bold experimentation of collapsing multiple genres into a single song into passing lyrics back and forth in this incredibly dexterous way it's music that really demands your attention and I've come away with a new respect for these four k-pop groups after this conversation yeah this is some expansive music it represents the past the present there's a little bit of everything in it for everybody. It's a lot of fun for me to go back and listen to these songs. I'm definitely curious to hear what listeners are listening to in the world of K-pop, what they're enjoying. Please share that with us. And Christine, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Chartbreakers K-pop Style. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun to do, and I hope I was able to bring some additional insight to the conversation. We listened to music that brought me to tears. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I hope you have a chance to like really get into like the music videos and the performance videos and the dance practice videos. There's just so much that comes with each song's release that makes it a mm. fun time for the viewer as a fan. Switched on Pop is produced by Rihanna Cruz, engineered by Brandon McFarlane, edited by Jolie Myers, community management by Abby Barr, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Hannah Rosen, a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. And I also want to say thank you for research help from Will Daly, Andrew Morant, and members of our Twitter community, Melanie Cohen, Matt Linder, Shannon Hurley, Brandon Lodem, and Galhazor. You can find more episodes of Switched on Pop anywhere you get podcasts. Oh my God, podcasts? <laughs> I want podcasts. <laughs> oh my God, that is our merch, podcasts. I think we should trademark that, incidentally. <laughs> you can find more episodes of Switched on Pop anywhere you get podcasts and our website, switchedonpop.com. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Switched on Pop and tell us what your favorite k-pop chart breakers are right now we'll catch you on tuesday and until then thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. One final shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. You know what's a terrible question? What's your favorite part of having nasal allergies? I don't know. Absolutely nothing. Luckily, you might be able to find some relief with Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's astaproallergy.com. Use this directive for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16, 2024. 
Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.